Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries podcast. This is your host, John Hagdorn, and it's great to be with you today. Ever wonder which generation you're in and how it got its name? I thought we'd have a little fun this week with the generations and let you know what marketers, researchers, psychologists, and demographers think of you and what your generation thinks of others. And I think the answers will surprise you. Obviously, everybody in one generation doesn't fit into a handy description, but many do. Enough that marketers can target certain generations for their likelihood to purchase certain categories of things. And that's one big reason why people and institutions have gone through the trouble to give generations their names. A few examples. Generation Z, also called the I-Generation, those born between 1992 and 2012, and known by marketers as the digital-friendly generation. Then there's the Lost Generation, also called the Generation of 1914, the first generation to get a name. Their story is just ahead. Each generation really does have many defining characteristics. As you hear the story of each one, you'll be able to confirm this or not with the generations in your family. If you're able to grab a pencil and paper, I'm going to name the generations here in a minute or so and give the born-between dates for your reference. If you've ever wondered which generation you belong to, the answer is coming. By the way, no official commission or group decides what each generation is called and when it starts and ends. Instead, different names and birth year cutoffs are proposed. And through a haphazard process, a consensus slowly develops through the media and popular parlance. Because generations are generally shaped through specific events, their labels and length are different from country to country. I'm in America, and this story is about American generations. There may be many similarities to other generations outside, but I wanted to make that known from the start. There are eight living generations, and ten in all, listed here. Living generations being defined as having still large numbers of people alive within that generation. Today's story, Generation What? Generation What? Should be fun for all ages. It's a kind of an abbreviated American history lesson as well at least from a cultural standpoint. What we have here is 10 generations of persons going back to 1890, and a lot of questions will be answered regarding who names each generation and how they get their names. What are they? What makes them different? Why are generations named in the first place? And why is each new generation usually scorned for all their weaknesses by its elders? Is our society and the world really going to heck in a handbasket, as the older living generations would tell you? And is big tech especially social media, leading the way to early dementia for our teenagers. Way too many are spending the majority of their waking hours absorbed in tech. What is the future for today's newly born Generation Alpha? Each generation, depending on the circumstances, has its own traits, like behavior, ideology, communication, motivation, preference, likes, dislikes, work-life balance strategy, or financial needs. And there are big differences between them. It's important to know the years when each generation begins and ends, and here it is. Starting with the Lost Generation, also called the Generation of 1914. Births start around 1890 and end around 1915. The youngest age today, and there are a few, 107. Then there's the Interbellum Generation. Births starting around 1901, going through 1913. The youngest age today, around 109. Then there's the greatest generation. Births start 1910, end around 1924. Youngest age today, around 98. 
Then there's the silent generation, born 1925 through 1945. Youngest age today, around 77. Then there's the baby boomer generation, born 1946 through 1964. Youngest age today, around 58. Then there's Generation X, also called Baby Bust. Born 1965 through 1979. Youngest age today, around 43. Then there's the Xennials, born 1975 through 1985. That's a short one, 10 years. Youngest age today, around 37. Then there are the Millennials, also called Generation Y and Generation Next. Born 1980 through 1994. Youngest age today, around 28. Then there's Generation Z, also known as the I Generation. Born 1995 through 2012. Youngest age today, around 10. And lastly, Generation Alpha. Born 2013 through 2025. Youngest age today, (laughs) 1. The various living generations that make up Western populations today are the greatest generation, the silent generation, baby boomers, generation X, Y, and Z, and the newly born alpha generation. It's time you met the first named generation, the lost generation, also called the generation of 1914, those born between 1890 and 1915. This generation was mostly born before World War I started and were the ones most negatively affected by it in the years after the war ended. World War I, a highly mechanized and destructive war, as you know, resulted in nine million deaths, and the effects of its terrible consequences were felt worldwide. The term the lost generation was opined in the early 1920s from something writer Gertrude Stein witnessed when she heard the owner of a garage talking to his young employee shortly after World War I ended, saying, You are all a lost generation. He was referring to that generation's apparent lack of purpose or drive resulting from the horrific disillusionment felt by those who grew up and lived through the war and were then in their 20s or 30s. Having seen pointless death on such a huge scale, many lost faith in traditional values like courage, patriotism, and masculinity. Some in turn became aimless, reckless, and focused on material wealth. A whole cadre of writers like Ernest Hemingway F. Scott Fitzgerald and T.S. Eliot captured this lost generation in their novels, and the lost generation also became a term used to describe these writers who focused on themes of decadence. Think here of the great Gatsby. And sexual impotence. Think Jake in The Sun Also Rises. Following the lost generation is the interbellum generation, born 1901 through 1913, interbellum being the Latin derivative for between wars. This group was too young to have served in World War I, and for the most part were too old to serve as enlisted personnel in World War II. Many in this group came of age during the Roaring Twenties and the Jazz Age, followed by the initial phase of the Great Depression, prior to the election of Franklin D. Roosevelt and the arrival of his New Deal, which was a plan to use tax money to create government jobs working on the creation of public works projects like dams, roads, and state parks. This was an idea that worked in its time, and politically speaking, made much of the interbellum generation lifelong Democrat voters. You may remember the lyrics in Alabama's Song of the South that went, Well, somebody told us Wall Street fell, but we were so poor that we couldn't tell. Cotton was short and the weeds were tall, 
"'but Mr. Roosevelt's going to save us all. "'Cotton on the roadside, cotton in the ditch. "'We all picked the cotton, but we never got rich. "'Daddy was a veteran, a Southern Democrat. "'They ought to get a rich man to vote like that.' "'The interbellum generation is known for having the following characteristics. "'Traditional values, financial prudence, "'interpersonal respect, determination, resilience, "'and a strong work ethic.' Then there was the greatest generation, 1910 through 1924 or 27. There's some difference of opinion on the years. But this group was, in its youth, greatly affected by the Depression, and in its late teens and early 20s by World War II. It has also been called the GI generation, the swing generation, and the World War II generation. But the name, the greatest generation, was suggested by the title of the 1998 Tom Brokaw book, The Greatest Generation and it's the one that most people use today. To a great degree, this group grew up without refrigerators, TV, wireless, cell phones, internet, heart transplants, and air conditioning. But they really enjoyed their swing music from groups like Benny Goodman and Glenn Miller. Jukeboxes playing 78 RPM records popped up everywhere, and radio flourished. Marriage for most of them was for life, better or worse, and having children out of wedlock was an unacceptable sin to them. Having a bridal party for a pregnant bride-to-be was considered an embarrassment. Fathering a child and not having a part in raising that child was considered a serious character fault. Church on Sunday was vital to most of them for the raising of a family, and you dressed up for church in your Sunday best. Kids were taught what it meant to be morally upright, to have integrity, to respect others, especially adults, to work hard, to obey teachers and elders, and to be honest. These qualities obviously weren't limited to this generation, and still exist today, but in smaller numbers, percentage-wise. The greatest generation, some say, has been romanticized for saving the world and being the last major holdouts for America's virtues. Maybe so, but the fact remains that they paid the heaviest price for freedom during World War II, and they paved the way pretty well for following generations by helping to build a strong defense and a strong economy. There isn't a single person in this generation who can't tell you where they were and what they were doing when Pearl Harbor was attacked. Then there's the silent generation. The silent generation was relatively small, as they were born between the Depression and World War II, and people were having less children, not knowing what the outcomes would be of both situations. Also known as Builders, or Lucy Few, born between 1928 and 1945, they saw the post-war happiness. They were the generation where women stayed at home and took care of kids while men focused on their careers. They tried to build lives around family and church. Generally, as parents, they were very strict and children were seen and not heard. As a kid, you didn't interrupt an adult conversation. This was the generation that gave us civil rights leaders like Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X, and Robert F. Kennedy. And they were the ones who watched Gone with the Wind and Mickey Mouse cartoons at the local theater. They gathered around their radios for family programs at night and depended on the radio and the newspaper alone for news. They were disciplined, self-sacrificing, and cautious. The silent generation also includes some who fought in the Korean and Vietnam Wars. It was this generation, which reached their teens and twenties by the mid to late fifties, that fueled the rock and roll era from 1955 onward. It was Time magazine in 1951 that first coined the term the silent generation in an article titled The Younger Generation, which tried to describe this generation 
as one which did not issue manifestos, make speeches, or carry posters. The people from this generation, the silent generation, are aged between 74 and 97 today. I kind of see them differently. They had a huge impact on the music and tastes of the day. They wanted fast, colorful cars, having fast designs with fins and new styling. Perry Como was out, and Elvis was in. Girls wore monogrammed sweaters, bobby socks, and saddle shoes. Dances were called sock hops. A lot of drinking was done out of mason jars. Drugs were not that big a deal to that generation. When Buddy Holly died in an airplane crash in 1959, giving way soon to a whole new style of music brought in by the Beatles and others, this was the generation that proverbially drove their Chevy down to the levee, in Don McLean's words, and sang bye-bye Miss American Pie, and the good old boys were drinking whiskey and rye, singing This'll Be the Day That I Die. They didn't die, but their brand of music was about to suffer a big change, and their insulated world was about to change big time. Their first jarring shock came in November of 1963, when President John F. Kennedy was shot and killed in Dallas. That was the 60s. There never was, and never will be another two decades like the 50s and 60s. One big reason, for America anyway, was post-World War II optimism. Over 76 million babies were born in the U.S. between 1946 and 1964. This birthing boom generation became known as the Baby Boomers, and their story continues right after these sponsor messages. And now back to Generation What? The Baby Boomers are those people whose ages today run from 58 to around 75. The older ones, having a little more of the traditional values, born 1946 to 1956, have been called leading-edge baby boomers. The younger ones, born 1957 to around 1964, are generally called trailing-edge baby boomers. Both groups have been called self-righteous, self-centered, and spoiled, mostly by older generations who had it much rougher on the average. They're good traits, they're known to be team-oriented, entrepreneurial, very fixated on their children and family, and generally more open to new developments in medicine and tech than previous generations. The leading-edge baby boomers started popping out of the oven right after World War II, when returning GIs started buying homes in the newly developed suburbs on the GI Bill. As the story goes, Dad would bring home his Friday paycheck and a bottle of wine, put a Dean Martin LP on their record credenza, and bada-bing, bada-boom, another baby boomer was soon born. There was a huge shift from living in cities and towns to living in the suburbs, and many folks set their sights on a piece of neighborhood property with grass to mow, nice neighbors, good schools, and a barbecue pit for weekends. The war was over, and optimism reigned. The economy thrived for most, while for some, especially minorities, it was just as hard as before to get ahead. That created a lot of social unrest, which was to define the later 60s. The baby boomer generation grew up on Disney, hula hoops, transistor radios, Barbie dolls, miniskirts, and TV, which became popular by the mid-50s and was colorized around 1964. The first 45 RPM records came out in 1949. Vaughn Monroe's version of Ghost Riders was the first, and many millions soon followed as rock quickly changed and grew in the 60s, with the British sound from groups like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. Then there was the Motown sound, with groups like the Temptations, the Shirelles, and the Four Tops. How did Motown get its name? Lots of cars were built back then in Detroit. Its nickname, Motortown. Motown was a shortening of Motortown, 
and Barry Gordy founded Motown in 1959 in his hometown of Detroit with Tamla Records. Then there was surf music with artists like the Beach Boys, The Ventures, and Jan and Dean. Folk music with groups like Peter, Paul, and Mary, Ian and Sylvia, and Joan Baez. And later groups like Chicago, Creedence Clearwater, The Doors, and a host of others from all genres. There are still some artists around today who performed in the 60s, like Jimmy Buffett, The Rolling Stones, Cher, Bob Dylan, Willie Nelson, The Beach Boys, and others. Jimmy Buffett just did a concert here a few nights ago, in my area, and he was, according to everyone I knew that went, terrific, performing for two hours plus, and all of it was good. On another note, the baby boom generation, think of it what you will, was also responsible for bringing more women to the workplace. Great for women, but it also marked the beginning of a two-wage earner family, and prices on everything began to rise accordingly by the late 60s, early 70s, and haven't stopped yet. The baby boomer generation witnessed the assassination of President John F. Kennedy, Martin Luther King, and Bobby Kennedy, as well as the Vietnam War and the landing of the first men on the moon, which occurred on July 20, 1969. Drugs and divorce became much more common with this generation. Hippies, many of whom lived in communes, joined protests, and spent way too much time getting high, becoming a well-known fixture of the baby boom generation. Huge rock concerts like Woodstock and Atlantic City took the place of jazz festivals in the late 60s. The baby boom generation brought a lot of change. Many people wish that we could turn the clock back to the innocent 50s, the so-called leave-it-to-beaver days, when moms could stay at home to be with family when they got back from school, and life could be simple again. Following the baby boomers is Generation X, comprised mostly of people born between 1965 and 1979. The Generation X label first appeared in a Robert Capa photo essay on young adults coming of age after World War II. The name Generation X resurfaced in 1964 when a London publication did a series on British youth culture which eventually became a book called Generation X. And when a young Billy Idol was looking for a brand name in the mid-70s, He remembered the book from his childhood and claimed the title. But Generation X wasn't the fully accepted name for this generation until Douglas Copeland's 1991 book, Generation X, Tales for an Accelerated Culture, explained that the letter X was meant to signify his generation's desire not to be defined. It was also called the baby bus generation, as it was the time that saw decreases in the birth rate. The kids of Generation X grew up in an age where computers got introduced into their school curriculum. They were the kids who often saw divorced as well as career-oriented parents. Growing up in the 70s and 80s in families where mom and dad were both working, they became known as the latchkey generation, often coming home to empty homes. They experienced the AIDS epidemic and the Berlin Wall. They're known to be open to entrepreneurship, late to get married, casual at divorce, and believe in a work-life balance. They're known to desire a chance to learn, explore, and make a contribution. They're known as being tech-savvy, and in many cases more educated than their parents. This generation is known for its fascination with brands and labels, as in wearing Tommy Hilfiger and driving BMWs. They knew what they wanted, but struggled to pay for it. They experienced the emergence of music videos, new wave music, electronic, glam rock, heavy metal, punk, grunge, and hip-hop as well. Anything that would make earlier generations cringe, so it's said. It is the Nirvana, U2, Madonna, Torn Jeans, Friends, Beverly Hills 90210, PC Generation. 
Marketers see them as preferring marketing that is more personal and authentic. They're also seen sometimes as being bleak, cynical, and disaffected. They were also the first generation to enjoy a wide choice of video games. Most Generation Xers are now parents and prefer to consume media that reflects their values. They also prefer brands that are authentic. Marketers are advised to be transparent and don't hide agendas or values from this generation because they'll see right through it. Next are the Xennials, born 1975 to 1985. If ever there was a generation that deserved a better name, this is it. Xennials got their name by being what was termed as a micro-generation of people on the cusp between Generation X and the Millennials. The term Xennials was created by writer Sarah Stancorb and discussed in a two-part 2014 article in Good Magazine. One recent article written for business by Nobert's Ertz offers the question, Who are the Xennials? How to manage them? And why they matter? It begins, There's a whole different generation that also deserves our attention, the Xennials, those born between 1977 and 1985. This generation did not only witness the release of the original Star Wars trilogy, but it is also at the sweet spot of the Millennial and Generation X generations. The term Oregon Trail Generation has been used to describe them, that name referencing a video game widespread in the classrooms of the Millennials. They have also been called Echo Boomers, having many of the traits of their baby boomer parents, but the research types place them as sharing the characteristics of X and Millennials. The Xennials possess the cynicism Generation Xers are known for, and the relentless drive and optimism of today's Millennials. This group of people lived an analog childhood and embraced digital technology in adulthood. Being an Xennial is hard. They struggle to fit in. They're not quite a Millennial or a Generation Xer at heart, writes Stara Stancorb in her article, Glad to be an Xennial. She says, It's an accident of birth. I've always wanted to call myself someone to know for whom I sing when I'm talking about my generation. If I take it down to the microgen, I see that I'm lucky. We were born in the quiet break between two generational moments, between an out-all-night dark horse Generation Xer and the sunny, still somehow optimistic millennial. There we were. We were born at dawn. For more of their characteristics, read ahead in Millennials, and you'll find many of them there. And that brings us to the Millennials, also known as Generation Y, who share birth years between around 1980 and 1994. Notice that this pretty much absorbs the Xennials as far as dates go. It's a great example of the murkiness of the generation naming system. But sometimes, imperfect is better, as it's all just opinions anyway. In the 1992 Advertising Age editorial, the term Generation Y was used to describe what is now known as the Millennial Generation. Millennials, as well as Xennials, are said to have the last gasp of a memory of life before Facebook shaming sexting, and constant online communication. Those born in the early 80s are attributed with early adulthoods which were impacted by the September 11 attacks and the Iraq War. They were the last generation to call a friend for a date using a landline, hoping it wasn't their intended date's parent who picked up the phone. You could easily just ditch the term Xennials and call them early-term millennials, thus making the list of generations shorter by one, and no one would notice. The millennial generation today aged between 25 and 40, is less immune to brands or labels and instead conceives fashion as an ever-changing trend. 
This generation, the millennial generation, is self-conscious, has an active lifestyle, eats healthy, and loves being fit. This generation is open to relationships, late to marriage, and is generally more accepting of diverse sexualities. They feel enormous academic pressure. They envision the world as a 24-7 place and believe in fast and immediate processing. They are the Yahoo, mobile phone, Google, Facebook, iPhone generation. With unlimited access to information, they prefer digital literacy, and they tend to be assertive with strong views. The workplace sees them as savvy and connected. They're also transparent, meaning that their lives are often an open book on social media. They need to feel that their job is important, and they seek recognition. They need to know that their work is making a difference. They're not as willing to sacrifice their personal lives to advance their career. They like to work hard and play hard. They seek careers which offer generous time-off opportunities, family recognition with regard to benefits, and good opportunities for promotion. Politically, most millennials were between 12 and 27 during the 2008 election, which ushered in eight years of Obama. They are the most radically and ethnically diverse generation in American history, although you can easily argue that each new generation can claim that title. Beyond politics, many millennials entered the workforce, or not, during the recession years following Obama's election. Then there's Generation Z. It's the generation born after 1995 and is said to hold those born between 1995 and 2012. It's the generation that has always seen a world with computers and phones. Pew Research defines them as post-millennials. Their life is interwoven with technology, and they're referred to as technoholics. With the advent of computers and web-based learning, children leave behind toys at a younger and younger age. For that reason, Generation Z is often called the KGOY generation, kids growing older younger. They become less interested in toys and begin to desire electronics, such as cell phones and video games. They're tired of hearing about the environment and the many ways we have to save it. They're oversaturated with brands. Generation Z, aged between 10 and 27 today, is an interesting generation. Many believe that this generation is a warning sign of religious change in America, notably the decline of children who participate regularly in church, as well as in many home-based religious practices, such as saying grace before each meal, praying before bedtime, and the reading of religious stories, especially during religious holidays. Most older generations today believe that family and church are the bedrocks of American strength. It's a known fact that children who are not encouraged to participate in church are less likely to become involved as adults. And for this reason, churches are trying to become more attractive and inclusive to children and families. Apparently, Generation Z has its own language, from the emojis they use to the social networks they frequent, to the brands they love and trust. This is the generation of digital natives. They grew up on the Internet, and they're said to be more aware, conscientious, and worldly than the teenagers and young adults that came before them. Generation Z spends its days, according to one pundit, building communities online. This is the generation of K-pop stands that bought all the tickets to a Trump rally and never attended, essentially trolling the former president, and never stopping to think of the tens of thousands of people they displaced from attending. Notice we mentioned K-pop stands. A stan is Z-language for an obsessed fan. For instance, a Generation C might be heard to say, I'm a proud AOC stan. Salty means getting upset over something of little consequence. The pull quote offered here is, 
"'She's hella salty, just because I didn't text back right away. "'Suspicious to them is sus. "'That guy over there is sus. "'Spill the tea means I have something to tell you, and so on. "'Because their lives are lived mostly online, "'trends and expressions change fast. "'They're also very susceptible to online influences "'and have been the target of political and social programming "'designed to influence them. "'For this reason, brands that take a stance on human rights and social issues, climate change, LGBTQIA, and trans rights, and political reform, do notoriously well with Generation Z. The Internet today is a 24-7 means to mind control, and those who seek to promote change of all types are very busy these days appealing to younger users. As I studied the generations, I came across many articles offered as warnings for parents to be very involved in their children's Internet usage. While the Internet offers lots of good, it can also be dangerous. Last but not least is the Alpha Generation, born roughly 2013 to 2025. How did the Alpha Generation get its name, you ask? During the 2005 hurricane season, the alphabetical list of names was supposedly exhausted, so scientists turned toward the Greek alphabet for new names. When the generations passed Z, the first logical place to look was also the Greek alphabet, So for the meantime, at least, Generation Alpha is the latest one. The newborns of this generation are said to share many of the same qualities as the oldest of the surviving generations. Having thin to no hair at times, a tummy paunch, a tendency for occasional drooling, taking naps at all hours, repeated bathroom trips, and occasional tempers. They do not know or care what the Internet is and appreciate being recognized as an important part of society and family. All we can do is wish both generations good luck and good health in the years to come. Thanks for joining us at 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries podcast. Lots of great stories to follow. In June, by the way, we're going to bring you a five-part crime story from the same author who gave us Reign of Injustice, David Beers. This story is called Immunity for Murder. It's a true story, and it'll keep you on the edge of your seat from start to finish as we run all five episodes in one week. And there's lots of interesting history and legends to come as well. Thanks for sharing our show with others, and thank you so very much for your reviews. This is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn. Stay safe out there, everyone, and we'll be back soon.